So this month, uh, our team, the ministry team, which consists, as you know, of Mandy, Richard, Judith and myself, we're going to preach All Being Well for five weeks on this subject, which is standing strong in faith. And it's taken for this epistle that we've been reading. Um, now, this chapter, then, it contains theology, it contains encouragement for us, but most importantly, it contains what God asks us to do and to be as his witnesses on earth. And so our Bible text reference for this week is this verse here. First of Peter 1, verse 3, which we will comment on uh, and other verses as well. So... As we said, this book of Peter, it does contain theology, quite complicated, you might say, but marvellous theology, but wonderful encouragement um, and what God wants us to do. Some historical context then about this book. Peter. Now... This was written approximately A.D. 64. So you can work out that by then Peter was an old man. He was 80 stroke 90, he must have been. And persecution of Christians was in full flow. And they were scattered, as we've been reading, across what is now called modern-day Turkey, but across the then Roman Empire, um, And Emperor Nero was reigning, and a terrible man he was, and he hated Christians. And so Christians were being tortured and killed for their faith. And um, this is the setting then where Peter writes this epistle to encourage Christians in their faith to hold fast Now remember, Peter also, perhaps in earlier days, he'd been persecuted firsthand. He'd been beaten, he'd been jailed, um, he'd been threatened. But Peter had grown in his faith, hadn't he? We might say he'd, he'd seen it all. He was made a disciple of Jesus in the early days. He followed Jesus. Then he betrayed Jesus, didn't he? He'd seen Jesus die. He'd seen Jesus rise again. He'd seen him ascend to heaven. Then, in latter days, he'd preached at Pentecost. But he'd been beaten, he'd been jailed, and even an angel um, released him from jail. Think of what he'd seen. But now here is Peter. He's an old man. Old like some of us perhaps here today feel. Old. (laughs) But was he retired? No. Far from it. This old man, Peter, he's now heading 
the newly formed, wonderful church of the Lord Jesus Christ. What, you say? But he betrayed Jesus three times. Yes, and that's not all. So have we. But this man, Peter, he was brash. He was impulsive. He spoke sometimes out of turn without thinking. He failed and stumbled. And how like Peter we are, aren't we? And he called Peter to follow him. Now, remember, when Jesus first started on earth preaching, he called Peter. And the first words he said to Peter was, follow me. And the last words Jesus said publicly to Peter was, you must follow me. Now, Peter did that. He did that, and so was me. And that's what Jesus asks, and that's all he asks from you and me. He wants your obedience and your love. He doesn't want your perfection. He knows that that won't come. You're not perfect. So here is Peter then in verse 1. It starts, his first name is Simon, and Jesus gave him the surname Peter. The Lord knew all about Simon Peter. Yes, a sinner. Yes, imperfect. But the Lord had such a key work for him to do. And of course, the Lord knew all about his faults. And he certainly knows ours, doesn't he? All of us. He knows about our faults. But you know, you, every one of you here, you too have a work to do for the Lord. It may not be anything like Peter did, but you have a work to do. Whether you're young or old or rich or poor, clever, unclever, it doesn't matter to God. He just wants your obedience and your faithfulness. And the work he has for you to do, it's unique for you only. And God wants you to do it for him. So this chapter starts with the name Peter. Now perhaps you could insert your name in that. You might say, I won't pick anybody here. You might say John or Mary is a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here Peter says, very humbly, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a leader. He is a teacher of God. And we've been taught, aren't we really, by that statement that we are not to say what we're not but we must not flinch also from saying who we are as a believer and by coming to church today you all are a witness in this neighborhood of, of um, Maryvale you are a witness you've come into this church building I can remember as children when we used to go to what was called chapel in those days I didn't like to tell my school friends 
that I have to go to chapel on Sundays. It's an awful thing to be ashamed. We mustn't be ashamed. So Peter gives an example here to us. He says, I am Peter, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He just gives the plain truth. I'm a believer. But in what? We've got to be careful here. Many people are believers in all sorts of things. We could say, for instance, that we believe strongly in evolution. Now, we know that's wrong. But we do need, need to give our title the right full name. We do need to say, I am a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a glorious statement. And it gives honour and praise to your Saviour. Never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So this writing by Peter, it starts with this glorious statement of commitment. I am Peter, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. How this honours God, doesn't it? Tell him publicly our allegiance. How this honours God. Here is Peter. He's telling the world who he serves and follows. And we too, by our lives, we must do the same. Remember, actions speak louder than words. I know that's a, a secular saying, but it's very true. And so God sees our actions, our words, and he sees all our thoughts as well, doesn't he? Good or bad. So how it is our prayer to this morning that this year we may walk closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is our all and in all, our beloved, our friend and saviour. I wonder what name you would give him. It might be Father. That's a wonderful thing to say. Our Father who art in heaven. We say it very often, don't we? And then it moves on in that verse. It says about God's elect. These people, these, they were spread out because they were being persecuted. And just like many people today, even in our land, as you know, are persecuted because of their faith. And it says here in that verse, chosen. What a blessing that is that God has chosen you friends here to be his children. And in the opening chapter of the first chapter of John, St. John, it's an absolutely sublime, majestic chapter. And it says about being elected to be his children. And it says this in verse 13. I'll read it. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or husband's will, but born of God, chosen by his great love. That's a very wonderful thing, isn't it? But then notice verse 2, as we've mentioned just now. There's the reason, obedient 
obedience. God loves faithfulness. Perhaps above all other graces, he doesn't ask for success, does he, as we know it. No, it's faithfulness and you know the welcome in heaven that Jesus gives to all his children. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. But then notice also in verse 2, and we mustn't overlook the, the wonders of the Trinity. That's the three in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's all mentioned here. They all have part in our salvation, this glorious three in one God. But then to come closer, it is the shed blood of Jesus it's talked about here. The shed blood. And that really is the nub, the centre of the gospel. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Do you see the blood sacrifice? It's everything. And this vital truth, it is central to our salvation. And Peter underlines this truth at the very beginning of his letter. And then he ends this wel welcome piece with those two lovely words, grace and peace. We often can say the grace almost automatically, but you know, God's grace. The grace of God, it is the free, unmerited favour and love of God. It's a wonderful thing, God's grace. And the peace of God well, you know what it says. The peace of God passes all understanding. Now here at Oakwood then, we would echo that to everyone here. That's what we wish for everybody, don't we? Grace and peace to all of you. Then verse 3, which is headed, the, the, the start of what... Um, was actually read to us. Um, Praise to God for a living hope. Now Peter here, he is a great encourager. We praise God for those that do encourage. And this applies to us here. And it's partly part of my job and other ministers to encourage you. And it's a great thing to be an encourager. And I'm very thrilled, really, that all the minister, ministers here that we have, they are great encouragers. And so they are like this, that person that was called Barnabas. Now, Barnabas was a great man. Um, and he actually, that was a nickname given to him. His name, his true name, was Joseph, but he was called Barnabas, which was sort of a nickname, and it means son of encouragement. And we all need to encourage each other, don't we? Yes. It's one of the most effective ways of helping others. We don't always see those because it's done, quite rightly, in a, in a quiet way to encourage others. But... This man, Barnabas, 
he was a great encourager and he did so much good so we pray that all of us may this year encourage each other spiritually much more so verse 3 then it starts with praise notice not a long shopping list of things which I'm so very guilty of uh, qu quite often at home over breakfast with a long shopping list of things we want from the Lord um, and now don't get me wrong God loves to hear uh, our <coughs> prayer wants of course he does but our praise should be first always always as the verse explains because of the Saviour's, our Saviour's resurrection. And this changes everything, isn't it? When we're given this living hope. And it's explained, as we've had read to us in those verses from 3 through to 12. Now, the meaning of secular hope, we might say, well, hope, it's not quite certain, it is a desire. It's all being well. But this hope we're looking at, it's very different. It has no doubt. It is sure. It is living. And it will never, never fail. It's steadfast. We could go on. It's anchored in what the Lord Jesus Christ has done is doing and will do and this hope it will never fail you because it's God given so the caption we're looking at today is stand strong with hope and we can do this but not alone not in our own strength we cannot but in the strength God gives us and so we can read in the Bible Paul the Apostle he says this when I am weak then am I strong we might say that's a contradiction well, what does that mean well it means when we feel our weakness then we can be strong in Christ but if we're strong or feeling strong we don't need Christ then that's no good so that's why Paul wrote this when we f are feelingly weak and we rely on the Lord, then we are strong because our faith is strong. Paul says further, he says this, you'll know the well-known text, I can do all things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. And on a very personal note, many years ago, God gave me that living hope from Psalm 42, it's made a great blessing to me. Just those three words, hope in God. That's all, but I've rested on those three words so much. It's like, I've said it before, it's like capital letters in front of me in the mornings so often. Hope in God. It's a great treasure. The last section for a brief um, comment, is from verses 13 to 21. And this is headed, Be Holy. Now often, 
that word holy, it causes me worry and stress because I think I'm far from that. Far from it. But you know, holy living, it does, it, it really flows from our heart, doesn't it, that God gives us. And the key is love. It, it always comes back to the love of Christ, this, doesn't it, our subject. To love God first, then our neighbour second, and self to be always last. And these verses that we've had read to us, they tell us to love the family of God sincerely, with a deep love. So if you look at verse 22, it says that, to love with a deep love. And just to end with verse 19, we come back to the most precious blood of Jesus. The precious blood of Jesus. That is the key to our standing strong in hope. A felt knowledge that his blood, the blood of Jesus, was spilt on the cross for unworthy you and your unworthiness then if you feel unworthy, then God makes you worthy because the robe of righteousness is cast about you and God looks at you then completely worthy. Isn't that a wonder that he does that? And your sin and all that, it's gone. It's gone and you are viewed perfectly by God the Father. That's a wonderful thing. In God's sight, you are considered totally worthy. So, as we come to at the end, really, may we be helped this year, this new year, to stand strong in God's hope, the hope he gives us, and feel his love, feel his love drawing us and helping us day by day. God bless you all and thank you for your prayerful listening. Amen.